Now back to our coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, here's Jonathan Hood. Live from the Advocate Center here in Chicago, this is the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 the ESPN app. The voices of the UIC Flames, Jonathan Hood and Chris Black with you. As we broadcast live from the Advocate Center, we are in round two of the NBA Draft. The Brooklyn Nets are on the clock. And uh, the smiling Mark Tatum will be coming up and giving the picks. And uh, those picks will be coming fast and furious. But we're really waiting on seeing what the Bulls will do with 38. Yes, and the Bulls in the first round, they get uh, Kobe White at 7, Jonathan, which I think makes most Bulls fans happy based on what we thought coming into the draft. Uh, Is there anything from the first round, especially the top 10, that surprised you from tonight's uh, NBA draft? You have Zion Williamson going 1. Ja Morant, number two to the to the Grizzlies. Uh, R.J. Barrett, number three to the Knicks. DeAndre Hunter goes to the Hawks after a trade. So the Atlanta Hawks move up. They get DeAndre Hunter. Darius Garland going five to the Cavs. Jared Culver going to the Timberwolves at six. Kobe White going to the Chicago Bulls at seven. Jackson Hayes, eight to the Pelicans. Ruri, uh, Ruri Hachimura goes uh, number nine to the Wizards, and Cam Reddish goes ten to the Hawks. Is there anything there that stands out to you? I think the Cam Johnson move at eleven also was very surprising. Yep. Uh, saw him late first, some mocks maybe middle first at best. I thought that that was a, somewhat of a reach here in the first round to start off in the first eleven picks. Uh, Romeo Langford goes 14 to the Boston Celtics. That's interesting as well. Uh, a lot of questions there. The Celtics tonight, uh, what a disaster tonight has been. They've been moving picks all around. They came into the first round with three. Uh, have they collected picks? They've moved picks. They've got Langford. They've got a couple of players. Uh, you know that their last selection was a safe pick, but... You know, like the Boston Celtics and what they're doing right now, Grant Williams from Tennessee was their pick at 22 to go along with Romeo Langford. But Langford has question marks. You know, I think that it's pretty obvious that we looked at Danny Ainge and saw what the Celtics were in trying to build post-Doc Rivers, right? And and you're trying to, to build the team, and you appreciated the draft picks, it's kind of like what Philadelphia did, trying to trust the process with young players and build it into something outside the box, coaching with Brad Stevens. That was a, a, an odd hire at the time. Yep. A kid from uh, Butler becomes a head coach, and they were able to build something. But the first stumbling block in the uh, Brad Stevens era is to coach a superstar. Didn't have to do that before until Kyrie Irving got there. And then all of a sudden things started to fall apart. I told the story last couple of nights about how Kyrie Irving, for the first time, questioned Brad Stevens openly to the press. Stevens had to deal with any of that while he was the head coach until a superstar came and questioned the genius that is Steve, uh, Brad Stevens. And then from there with Danny Ainge as well. All these draft picks, look what Danny's doing outside the box, co- you know, head coach, look what they're doing. But yet you have all these scratch-off tickets, and you really don't have anything that tells me that you'll be in the mix for the NBA championship, especially when your star wants to leave and Horford walks away. And, Jonathan, you know how it is. At Butler, he was the Pied Piper. He was the king of, of the campus, right? Yep. Yep. No one's going to question Brad Stevens at Butler. Now with the Boston Celtics, though, star players – Guys who've won championships, totally different game, right? And you you have to question, if if vets are leaving the Celtics, what's the problem? Is it the organization? Is it the front office? Is it the coach? Is it the young collection of players that you have? You know, that that could be it, too. 
you know, we were all raving about these young assets that Danny Age collected, but if the assets aren't that great, what does it matter? Kyrie Irving, you heard this story, or maybe you might have heard this story about Kyrie Irving going into uh, practice with Brad Stevens. And Stephen says, good morning, Kyrie. And Kyrie didn't say good morning. Oh, and, and Kyrie says, Coach Stevens, what's your definition of government? <laughs> and so Brad Stevens with his sip of coffee and just kind of sits back in his chair and kind of gives this really nice opinion of what government means to him. And, and then Stephen takes another sip of coffee and says, so what does government mean to you, Kyrie? And Kyrie says, control. <laughs> Here's Mark Tatum. There you go. Hello, Brooklyn. It's always great to be back here in my hometown. Welcome to the second round, and let's continue to embrace the next generation of NBA players. With the 31st pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Nicholas Claxton from the University of Georgia. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Nick Claxton, seven-footer out of Georgia with a 7-3 wingspan and the agility and fluidity teams look for in a modern big man. Extremely versatile on the defensive end of the floor. He can step out and guard the perimeter. He can protect the rim. And then offensively, he can even push off the break and step into an occasional three. But there are questions about his motor, his toughness, his physicality. He's really slight of build and is certainly going to take some time to develop as he's more of a project at this stage. Go dogs, Nicholas Claxton, the big man for the Bulldogs, 13 points a game, 9 rebounds, 10th in D1 with uh, 2.5 blocks a game, now part of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, good ball handler. Uh, He can grab and go in transition. He's an effective passer. Uh, He doesn't turn the ball over much. Uh, He he is a a good player that you can add to the Brooklyn Nets as they continue to to develop this core of players and to be a piece in a player in free agency this offseason. They're going to need guys like Claxton to step in and play minutes if they add two max spots because some of the veterans that they have on the roster aren't going to be able to stick around if if you are top-loading the offense and the, the roster overall with players who are max salary guys. The hapless Phoenix Suns are on the clock coming up next year, and it's going to go again. It's... Uh I think it's two minutes now for every pick. Yeah, it is in so, the second round. Yep. So we'll keep our eyes on that. We'll update you on that. But let's go back to the Kobe White pick by the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Chris and I both agree a solid pick because you were able to get it for need and best available. Kobe White, the lead guard now for the Chicago Bulls as he was drafted. Let's hear from Reese Davis. Reese Davis had his thoughts on what we can expect from Kobe White. I'm a huge fan of Kobe White as a player and as a young man. He had a really outstanding season for North Carolina, averaging about 16 points per game. The questions about him was just how he would be able to involve his teammates. He's been growing his hair since his freshman year of high school. He's the all-time leading scorer in North Carolina high school basketball history, largely because he had to score to give his team a chance to win. The pink sneakers that have become a signature are in honor of his late father, Donald, who died of liver cancer. His father, Donald, was thrilled when Kobe chose North Carolina, had a a great respect for Roy Williams, and I'm sure that Donald, who still continues to live in Kobe's heart, if you read the piece in the Players' Tribune, it was sensational, that it was raw and authentic and genuine from Kobe, and there's his dad who was thrilled that he was going to North Carolina 
and no doubt would be delighted with this turn of great fortune for Kobe White, who goes seventh overall to the Chicago Bulls. So thoughts there from Reese Davis on uh, Kobe White, a speed demon who has no fear with scoring the basketball, three-point shooter, uh, and I was just talking to someone during the break uh, that covers the Bulls. Uh, That person's fear is that Coach Boylan will have a similar offense that we saw at the end of last year. And I said, there's no way that you can run that type of offense trying to limit the turnovers as we go to Mark Tatum, the assistant commissioner. 2019 NBA draft, the Phoenix Suns select Casey Akpala from Stanford University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Okpala is a prototype combo forward, close to 6'10", picturesque frame, 7-foot wingspan, theoretically can defend multiple positions, and made a huge jump as a perimeter shooter this past season at Stanford. Big-time late bloomer who was originally committed to UC Irvine until a late growth spurt vaulted him into the higher rankings and ended up at Stanford. But his feel for the game really needs to improve. His toughness, his confidence. He turned down far too many open threes this past season at Stanford and just really had a letdown of a season over the second half of the year. Akpala going to the Phoenix Suns, Chris. Again, they need to stockpile as much much talent as possible. I I feel bad for Monty Williams. Look, he's going to be head coach again. But just this whole thing with them firing Igor Krakowskov as quickly as they did, which also tells me that there is a bias against international coaches in this league. Because <laughs> uh, you, you can't say, like, yeah, he's well, bad Blatt. and, and Blatt's bad. Yeah. No, I'm not, I just don't think players want to hear it. Uh, there's, a, there's a disconnect there between the international coach and today's NBA player. And Krakowskov fired by Phoenix. He got a job, though, as an assistant here in the offseason. And that pick was a Phoenix pick, but it will be going to uh, the Indiana Pacers. So Paula will be playing for the Pacers, even though the Suns made that pick that was traded earlier tonight. What about that Pac-10, uh, uh, Pac-12 player? Yeah, uh, so Okpala, you know, physical profile, it, it all makes sense. Uh, and you heard in the player bio by Schmitz that he was a late bloomer, so he still is working with his physical tools to be an efficient player at the next level. And that's, you know, I think when you add him into the Pacers and you see what he has to offer, it, it, it's a really nice pick. And as we creep towards 38 yep. in the Chicago Bulls, that's where we're going. your guy, Bull Bull, is still on the board. All right, well, I'm just <laughs> let you know. That's fine. Well, um, we, the next pick is going to be for the Boston Celtics. These are supposed to be back-to-back uh, Sixers picks, but now this one's going to be a pick for the Celtics. Yeah, the Celtics coming up at 33. 34 is the 76ers. Then you get 35, the Pelicans, the Hornets, the Mavericks, and the Bulls. Boy, if Carson Edwards is there for the Bulls, look out. Uh, Bruno Fernando is, is on the board still. Uh, Bull Bull is on the board. Um, there are a lot of good names, and the Bulls have options coming up. I might throw this this uh, coffee if Bull Bull is there. The Bulls, but I know he's in the building. He's in Barclays, still waiting with his family. Yeah, Bull Bull. Why do you think I keep bringing him up? He's going to get picked here soon when the Bulls come up. All right, so uh, again, we are awaiting the pick for the Boston Celtics who continue. I mean, you, they should be on an episode of Hoarders. Nobody's, no one stashes the draft picks like well, the Boston Celtics. Well, and then tonight also, they came into the first round with three picks, and then they're moving them all over the place. I, what is Danny Ainge doing? Well, that's the question in Boston, right? How, how, how much longer... Does the native son, the, the Celtic that won those championships, that's running the franchise, 
how long will the Celtic fan be um, patient enough to sit there and wait and watch this? So everyone loves... So, especially in this area of free agency where everything's wide open, by right. the way. Everyone loves what Danny Ainge has done in Boston. Uh, he collected all the assets... But remember, they won their championship because they traded for players. That's right, sir. It wasn't because they, they drafted and, and then rose these, uh, these kids throughout the system. It was because they traded for Garnett and Ray Allen. Here's smiling Mark Tatum with the next pick. With the 33rd pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select Carson Edwards from Purdue University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Carson Edwards, one of the draft's most dynamic microwave scorers who can fill it up in a hurry. As we saw in the NCAA tournament, the guy has unwavering confidence. No conscience from anywhere on the floor. He can do it off the catch. He can do it out of dribble handoffs. On occasion, out of ball screens. He can sprint off of pin downs. He is one of the best shooters in the draft who can do it in a variety of ways. But he's six feet tall, and he's far better off the ball. He doesn't have much of a handle. He's not the most disciplined defender, and he doesn't make his teammates better. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's pretty harsh. I think Carson Edwards is a solid pick. That is a terrific pick. Yeah, for the Philadelphia 76ers, I agree. Uh, that will be going to the Boston Celtics. So there's another player that you like heading to Boston. So maybe they're making up for it here in the second round. Uh, Carson Edwards, if you go back to the tournament, he's scored, and he can score at will. I like the ability he can, uh, with the ball, he can create separation and get his shot off. I, I really like better than, Carson Edwards. Better than Rozier. Right now? Yeah. So Rogier's out, but you know, like, like if that because you talked about this earlier about yeah. Rogier, uh-huh. there's a, you're a younger example, well, better than Rogier. Yeah, think about all the collection of point guards they have. They have Terry Rogier, they have Romeo Langford, and now they have uh, Carson Edwards. That's pretty good. But as you mentioned, uh, positionless basketball, right? Yeah, and you know, and that's where you kind of look at it, where you don't expect. Uh, a Carson Edwards or a Romeo Langford to play 48 minutes, right? right? You're hoping to get a good 20 to 25 minutes out of these guys, especially as they're starting as rookies uh, coming into their own. And Carson Edwards, he can shoot it. And we saw in big spots, he played in big games for Purdue. I, I like Carson Edwards. I wish he was going to be there for 35 for the Bulls. What are the Sixers without Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler? I mean, that's tough. Is it not like well, you uh, you, uh, you know, last year they were really good with just Simmons and Embiid. Uh, this last year they tried to become like a super team, and they weren't quite there. Although if Kawhi's shot in Game 7 doesn't fall, they win that game. Who says that they don't win the title this year? I do. I mean, in the war of attrition against the Warriors, they have a deeper squad. I guess. You know, like, yes. so So you could, like, sit around for the 76ers this offseason and bang your head against the wall, or you could say to yourselves, you know, the team that won the title, we almost beat in a game seven. That could have been us. But you need more than those two, Chris. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just don't know. I, now, J.J. Redick, a free agent as well. Yeah. Does he leave? Let me he see played what, a lot of minutes. Let's see what the Sixers do here. 2019 NBA draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select... Bruno Fernando from Luanda, Angola, and the University of Maryland. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Bruno 
Fernando, the hard-playing center out of Angola, shredded frame, 7-4 wingspan, great feet on the defensive end, can play above the rim in space, and has made great strides in terms of his ability to make his teammates better, his touch around the rim, but there are some questions about his upside. How is his natural feel? Is he ever going to be a guy who's going to be able to step out and play a little bit more on the perimeter? What is his elite NBA skill? But his motor is certainly a plus as a second-round caliber prospect. Center Bruno Fernando from Maryland is, is taken. Now we're starting to see some guys that were in the first round coming into the early second. Carson Edwards, you know, again, a solid pick. And now Bruno Fernando. It's not because we know these guys as far as name recognition. We just look at the production and say, you know what, Fernando can be a guy that can help somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Coming into the draft, he was ranked 35th overall, and he goes uh, to 30. He goes 34th, right? Mm-hmm. So you know that's right on par. He was the sixth best uh, big man in in the class. So you know I think that makes a lot of sense as uh, Embiid's going to need backup help for the 76ers and what they're doing there. And I, I like the pick, Bruno Fernando. Going to the 76ers at 34. He also was at the Barclays Center. Thought he was going to be a first-round pick oh. and early second. One of the things I told you before this draft, Chris, and you've probably heard the shows that I was doing on Under the Hood, was that I like this draft as far as bottom first, second. Top heavy in the top four, starting with Zion Williams and yep. RJ and Morant, right? Then we saw some projects, right? Like six through yep. to the bottom, almost the bottom of the first round. Now there's some quality here in the second round here that I think can really pay dividends for some teams. Yeah, you're really right about that because I, I think that whole, what, uh, 14 to like 25-ish range is questionable in the first round. Like I like Grant Williams of the, to the Celtics at 22, but a lot of these other guys on this team uh, on this in this draft, you know, I, you know, it, this is how the draft's so interesting with Little going so far down in the draft too. Nasir right. Little uh, toward the bottom of the first round. I, I guess, again, bottom of the first into the second round. I think we're going to see some interesting names here. Yeah, some solid players being selected. And uh, right now on the clock, you have the Pelicans sitting at thirty-five, the Hornets, the Mavericks, and the Bulls at thirty-eight. If you're, you are listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you, broadcasting live from the Advocate Center here in Chicago. Kobe White was the pick for the Chicago Bulls at number seven. Let's hear from uh, Sirius XM NBA Radio and Turner Sports. Brennan Haywood, he gave his thoughts on Kobe White as a player. Kobe White is somebody that really came out of nowhere because we all thought that Kobe White was going to have a good year, but we thought he was going to be somebody that stays for a couple of seasons and then maybe goes to the pros after two or three years. But it was clear to see early on that this kid was truly special. He worked on his game. He has the size. Strong guard. Reminds me of an early Gilbert Arenas. Not the finished product that was averaging 29 a game for the Washington Wizards, but when he first came out, you were like, what is Gilbert Arenas? Is he a point guard? Is he a two? And you had to figure it out. And guess what? We figured out that he's a baller. And that's exactly what Kobe White is. Kobe White is a baller. His game has the flash. He has the hair that I'm jealous of. Listen, Kobe White's going to do tremendous. I think he's going to be in a great fit. He's put into a great fit in Chicago. And I, I see nothing but upside for this kid. So thoughts there from Brennan Haywood. As you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show coming up, we'll find out what Atlanta does, Charlotte, Dallas, and then we have the Chicago Bulls at number 38. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show with Chris Bluck, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 
This is the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. Live from the Advocate Center in Chicago, this is the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Let's update you on some of the draft picks in the second round as we count down to the Bulls pick at number 39. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan, as uh, the Bulls are now sitting uh, a pick away, the Mavericks are on the clock. They have a minute left here. Uh, Cody Martin goes 36 to the uh, the Hornets from Nevada, the small forward. A scorer, a Silva from Brazil, he goes 35th to the Pelicans. And then we left you off at Bruno Fernando at 34th going to the 76ers. So the Mavericks on the clock, the Bulls at 38. Uh, after the Mavericks. So a lot of good players on the board for the Chicago Bulls to pick from. Uh, not all of them will be selected by the Mavericks. We're both talking about Bull Bull here at the Advocate Center. Is that who the Chicago oh, Bulls will select at 38? No, let, let's, let's not have a project. Like, let's find somebody that can project. Help he could be, He could be top five talent of the draft. Come on now. They need a star, don't they? You know, there's times... Where you can look at a town like Bull Bull, yeah. and if he goes someplace else, God bless him. Like yeah. if I if I passed on him and he becomes LeBron James, fine. I don't think that he will, though. You know, it's kind of how I felt about Thon Maker. Remember all the <laughs> remember all the the hype about Thon yeah. Maker yeah. coming into the draft, I, and I, then you saw and you're I, like, all yeah. right, the Bucks picked him, and all the Bucks have is length. All right, I guess. Good luck to him, and, and it hasn't worked out. He got traded this season. Uh, clearly doesn't fit with what they're doing because he couldn't develop a shot. Met him at the Hotel Intercontinental before he was drafted. He had a straw hat, and he had like a suitcase with a bunch of stickers on it. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Well-traveled. Oh, Don Maker. You think, I'm, you think I'm just making that up? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, no, he didn't. Like, I hope he didn't. Like, like really? That's how he walked in? He had a lot of stickers. Like, Because he, he was in Australia, if yeah. you remember Don Maker. Yeah. He, was, he was everywhere. And, and, but and one thing that will never go out of style in basketball, you always want long and athletic, don't you? I thought you, you were going to say the straw hat. No. Well, that well, a bunch of stickers with suitcases. You always, yes. always want to have that. But you always want someone with height. Well, right, and the, the Thawne Maker thing that was so interesting is that the body type, right, the long arms, the long legs, how he just didn't look like a normal NBA player, and you're like, man, this guy is a freak athlete. I wonder how it would translate. It translated well for Giannis Antetokounmpo. It has not for Thawne Maker. Here comes smiling Mark Tatum with the Dallas Mavericks pick. With the 37th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Dallas Mavericks select Dividas Servidis from Vilnius, Lithuania. All right, go ahead, uh, roll it, Felix. Let's hear from <laughs> let's hear from Dividas Dividas Servidis, uh, the small forward from Lithuania with the Dallas Mavericks. Chris. Yeah, and so the Bulls are now on the clock at 38 uh, as the Mavericks make this pick. As uh, you see from Lithuania, he's averaging uh, 13 minutes per game. He was the tournament finals MVP in the next generation, uh, under 18. uh, All right. So now we move on to the Chicago That's Bulls. The That's quality analysis That's so right great. there. That's good analysis. Isn't that fantastic? No, but you, know, you know when you lost it? Yeah. You lost it when 
they they didn't give you the points per game. They gave you the minutes. minutes. <laughs> Thirteen minutes per game. <laughs> when they gave you the minutes per game, that's like, rough. You said, "Screw this! I'm not giving you All any right. analysis." Uh, he is the eleventh uh, player in the position rank on ESPN.com, forty third overall, yep. and he goes at thirty seven. So it's a bit of a reach for the Mavericks. But the Mavericks are known to take the player that could have some development in for the future. Stash the Euro. So the bull. Hey, how about this? Your guy's on the clock. The Bulls are on the clock, and My Bull Bull has yet to be selected. Uh, and there's a lot of empty tables at the Barclays Center, but the Bull family's still waiting uh, to be chosen here. Uh, what do you What do you think the Bulls are going to do? Well, and that's what's um, interesting about this conversation because jo- Dante Porter, the center from Missouri, is still there. He's there. I think the safe pick for the Bulls would go with uh, Tennessee small forward Amaral Schofield. Yep. I think he Good would player. be a smart, uh, safe pick for the Chicago Bulls. They need more shooting. That's absolutely what they need on this roster. I know Kobe White uh, adds to some of that, but I think uh, Schofield would really add more depth and shooting off the bench. Uh, but how, how do you pass up the talent, though, that's sitting there at the top of the uh, be- best available on the draft board right now from Oregon, the center, Bull Bull? Not, they're not doing that. Okay, so what would you go with? I like Terrence Mann, the shooting guard from Florida State, because he's still on the board. I yeah. would take him. I like I like Jonte Porter as a playmaker, um, the kid from Missouri, sophomore, 6'11". And, again, we were talking about size, but I think he has the versatility enough to be able to learn. Um, the one thing they need, they need uh, the Bulls need wing players. You know, they got their point guard, but they need wing players as well. Yeah, and we keep saying the Bulls need more shooting, and I understand Bull Bull shot 52% from three. Here's the Bulls pick. With the 38th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Chicago Bulls select Daniel Gafford from the University of Arkansas. There you go, a center, Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. As the Assembled Media laughs at the pick, you can hear it here in the background, the laughter. Guys in the studio, did you pick up on the laughter from the Assembled Media at the Advocate Center after that pick? First team. Is that something you could hear that went out on AM 1000? Wow. First team, all ACC, uh, SEC player, the center from Arkansas, top five in the SEC, part of that all-defensive team, Daniel Gafford, the center, uh, that definitely has hops. Uh, part of the mix. Yeah, he was a part of the uh, 2018-19 all-defensive team from the SEC. Uh, interesting selection because I'm not sure if many of us really thought that that would be a need, another center. Is he on to, your board at all? Yeah, so he he's a very mobile, uh, bouncy center with solid length. He can play above the rim with ease. He's a threat as a vertical spacer, good offensive rebounder, soft hands, overall touch, protects the rim with uh Win fully engaged. He posted 3.8 blocks per 40 minutes as a freshman. Flashes of defensive energy. He needs to improve on his motor, which fluctuates. His defensive fundamentals. And he's uh, limited mostly on finishing, on offensive rebounding. And he's not a reliable playmaker. That is Daniel Gafford, the 6'11", 238-pound center from Arkansas. A long, fluid, and bouncy big man. Indeed, from El Dorado, Arkansas, it is Daniel Gafford. And looking at um, some of these mocks in front of me, he was supposed to be selected in this area, in a in high second, mid-second. So he was someone that was supposed to be in this draft. Yeah, ESPN had him ranked as the 41st best player on the board uh, coming into tonight, and he goes at 38. He was the best. He was the seventh best center ranked on ESPN.com's board coming into tonight. 
That's fine. Uh, yeah, I see an NBA comp for him is, is Birdman Chris Anderson. Okay, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, you have bigs, don't you? Yeah. You have Felicio. You have uh, Wendell Carter Jr. You have Lowry Marketin. Uh, you're not going to bring back Robin Lopez, I assume, so this is the role that he will take, but he'll have to play as a rookie, which you know as a defensive big, as a rookie, it's tough to acclimate yourself to the NBA game to be a successful rookie defensive big. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's a big role for a player to come into, to step into. It'll be interesting how that kind of fits. I thought they could have gone for more shooting, but clearly they have enough. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll have more on this pick for the Chicago Bulls, and uh, we'll look ahead to the press conferences for John Paxson and for Guard Foreman, along with Chris Black, John Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Etiquette Center. The 2019 NBA Draft Show continues after this on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This is the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. With the seventh pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Chicago Bulls select Kobe White from the University of North Carolina. Live from the Advocate Center in Chicago, it's the 2019 NBA Draft Show right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with UIC Flames color analyst Chris Black, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for being with us here for our coverage of the NBA draft. The Chicago Bulls, with their number seven pick in the draft, take Kobe White, the point guard from North Carolina. Speed demon who's got no fear when scoring the basketball. Effective spot-up three-point shooter. Solid facilitator for sure. Uh, making basic passes off the dribble, and just someone that can ignite this offense. And, and thinking about some of the young players on this Bulls team, Chris, you think about uh, how young this team is, the youngest team in the NBA. Kobe White can be right along with this mix to really get this offense jump-started for the season. Yeah, in a uh, hope for being a possible star. And I know being the seventh pick in the draft, you say to yourself, a star, really? But like his ability to score the basketball, he has an elite ability to score the basketball. Basketball, uh, dribble, and being able to create space on his own, to find his own shot, to walk into a shot, to shoot from three, to be able to get to the rim, to create for others. He really has it all, and I am excited for Kobe White and for what the Chicago Bulls pick up tonight at number seven because this is exactly what they were missing. A lead point guard who can score the basketball, make his teammates better, and the Bulls got that at number seven. The uh, Chicago Bulls also made a selection in the second round, and I think that, again, you look at the second round in the past for the Bulls, sometimes, you know, you look at the second round, they didn't doesn't really covet the second round picks like they should, Chris, but I think that they found a solid player in the second round as well. Yeah, absolutely, and what the Bulls select in the second round, that's where you see them. Daniel Gafford from mm-hmm. Arkansas, the center at 38. And uh, here's where you have a player who could step in and be an offensive scorer around the basket and maybe get those minutes that Felicio was getting this last season, and he's going to be sharing with Wendell Carter Jr. down low. I'm not sure if I, I thought that they needed another big, 
because it seems like the Bulls do have quite a few of those. Uh, but that's what they get here in Daniel Gafford, 6'11", 238 pounds. So the second round is still going on here for the NBA draft with the number 49 pick with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Quinn Weatherspoon, the shooting guard from Mississippi State, uh, scored t- over 2,000 career points in Mississippi State, uh, was taken by the San Antonio Spurs. So you take a look at what the Spurs have done. Samanich, the Croatian in round number one. Keldon Johnson, uh, the round one 29 pick, and now Weatherspoon, the round two pick, number 49 for the San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich. Yeah, I think we both like uh, Samich uh, from Croatia Love at 19. Yes, uh, two of them right now. Yeah. Uh, and and I think what the Spurs are doing with uh, Keldon Johnson, that's a pick at 29 where we look at it and say, man, that's a perfect Spurs pick because that's a player that fell in the draft who is right there at the end of the first round that the Spurs are going to be able to plug and play right away. And that's where you get the, the another individual who can enter the Spurs' way and be a productive player on the floor. I think that you and I are in agreement that the Bulls, I mean, the, the focus is on Kobe White and how the Bulls were able to find their point guards. One of the things we talked about leading into the show at 6 o'clock about how the Bulls need to be able to find a lead guard. It says a lot for Chris Dunn, but you believe that this could be a positive for the Bulls because if and when White is the guy for the Chicago Bulls, Dunn would be the backup. And again, Dunn did not like being the backup or being on the bench with Minnesota. He was brooding. Then, like he believes that he's better than this. But again, it's about maximizing your minutes on the floor. Chris Dunn didn't like to be the backup under Tom Thibodeau with Minnesota. Here's an opportunity here for him to battle with White to try to get playing time. Pax is just not enamored with Chris Dunn. Well, okay, if he has a problem with not starting, uh, you have to score more than 11 points per game, four rebounds per six assists as a point guard. You also have to play good defense. You know, I, I think there's been a, um, a misrepresentation of Chris Dunn's playing ability here in the city of Chicago. There are a lot of people that assume he's a great defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch the games. I watch the games. We all watch the Bulls games. Would you classify Chris Dunn as an elite, great defender? I would not. I think sometimes he plays well on defense. A lot of times he's subpar. And I think that's a part of the problem. If he was an elite defender, like a Drew Holiday defensively, I think we'd be cool with the 11 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds. But the fact that he's not really that great on defense and he's not running your offense, that's a problem. Right. We'll update you on the second round. There was a little movement here with Jazz. The Jazz selected Jarrell Brantley with a number of 50 pick. Indiana's traded number 50 to Utah, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So we'll update you on what's going on with the second round. The Bulls, as far as we know, are done for the night. As we heard now go from uh, Kobe White, who got a chance to talk to Maria Taylor. He gets drafted by the Bulls. He's got the Bulls hat on. Here's his conversation with Maria Taylor. When Kobe saw Gilbert Arenas, what was your reaction? Yeah, that's tough. You know, he was really he was a really good player, so I was surprised. Now, you said you did not know how you were going to feel when the commissioner finally called your name. How would you describe the moment now? Oh, man, just a relief. A relief for sure to hear your name, but, man, it's a blessing. I'm super excited. Um, you, know, I, it, you know, I can't describe it in words. You know, it's, it's a different type of feeling. What does FMF mean to you? FMF means for my father. You know, my father passed away two years ago when I was 17 years old from liver cancer. So, you know, it's been rough, but, you know, that's kind of what I what I live by. If your dad was here today, what do you think he would say to you? Just how proud, proud he was of me, man. You know, he'd be super excited for me, but, you know, also tell me 
you know, this is just the beginning for you. You know, uh, a lot of success coming your way, but just stay true to yourself and remember where you, where you came from. All right, right over your shoulder. It's the guy you're going to be playing with soon, Wendell Carter. <laughs> yeah. You want to welcome him to your team? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the family, bro. We're going to take care of you out there. Let's get it. So Wendell Carter Jr. happened to be at Barclays as well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know how Bulls fans uh, cannot be excited for tonight. I know I gave the double negative, but let, let's be real. This is exactly at 7 you were hoping for something like this happening. When you saw teams like Minnesota and Atlanta move up into the top five and then six for Minnesota, that's where you started to think, man, are the Bulls really going to miss out on a need and best player available that they need at seven? That point guard of the future who can push the pace and score for himself. And then what took place was Kobe White just kind of fell to them based on what Minnesota going with Culver. And you saw the Hawks jump up to get Hunter. Both nice players. I don't know if they're difference makers, though. They're solid role guys. Right. And, and whether or not they ever make an all-star game, we, we can come back five years from now. But do you what do you think the over-under, Culver and Hunter, uh, for all-star games in a career? If you set it at four, are you going to go over or under? Probably, I mean. Uh, I'd probably go under. You know, like it. Maybe. I, I don't know if they're going to be game changers. Mm -hmm. Good players, solid players on, on decent teams, I'm sure. But, you know, and that's where you get to the point where the Bulls get Kobe White and you could say, okay, I could see how he could develop into a legit, solid, elite point guard in the league. It's all also predicated, Chris, on what kind of offense they're running. That still matters. Th that too, and I agree, and, and we can certainly get into that, but also... They didn't give up anything tonight. Right. That too. Because I think a lot of people were preparing themselves to give up a number one pick for next year or something else. Go Zach up, Levine. Or go up in the draft. Yeah, to get go, up, go up for the draft. You have to give up Zach Levine, whatever the case may be. But you don't give up anything. You get Kobe White. I'm happy. I think a lot of Bulls fans should be happy tonight as well. Here's Mark Tatum. Alan Smilagic, the 39th pick, to the Golden State Warriors for two future second-round picks and financial considerations. With the 51st pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Tremont Waters from Louisiana State University. So, Tremont Waters, the point guard from LSU, going to the Celtics, and we have uh, we've roasted the Celtics a lot here tonight, and and rightfully so. Look, they've they've got picks, they've had picks for a long time. You're just trying to determine like who can play, who can't. This might be outside of the two quality players that they have in Jalen Brown and and Tatum. This might be a situation where the Celtics could be one of the top teams in the East to somewhere in the middle, maybe to the bottom of the top eight in the East. So Tremont Wader, uh, Waters, yep. uh, point guard from LSU, just selected at 51. Yeah. Tonight the Celtics have also selected uh, Romeo Lankford from Indiana as the 14th pick. Reach. Grant Williams from Tennessee, power forward, the 22nd pick. And then uh, the second round uh, third pick in the second round, Carson Edwards from Purdue, the point guard. So they've gone point guard, point guard, back-to-back -back here in the second round for the Boston Celtics. Let's go back to what you were talking about with the lead guard spot. Goodbye, uh, Terry Rogier. Probably going to be offered a, a big deal, and they're not going to match. And Kyrie, uh, Lowry, uh, Kyrie Irving is mm -hmm. probably out for the Celtics at some point here in this summer. 
You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you, broadcasting live from the Advocate Center here, the Chicago Bulls training facility. As the second round continues to roll on, we are at the number 52 pick in the second round with the Charlotte Hornets on the clock. Going back to the Bulls with, um, with their core, my focus, Chris, is about the core and their health. We talked to someone very close to the Bulls organization uh, earlier uh, today mm-hmm. that was very concerned that yeah. the injury situation has been something that has been uh, occurring for the Bulls for a long time. The, the person that we talked to was wondering, whoa, you know, when will the Bulls be able to have a healthy season? Why does this continue to happen? What's the, you know, because it's one thing to be snake bitten, like bad draft picks, someone that you're sure about and you find out that that player wasn't exactly what you thought he was. But I think that anytime that you are choosing players and they get hurt, that's a front office issue. That's a training issue. You've got to be able to find players that can be able to stay healthy. It's not like the, the these Bulls players over the last five plus years been running, you know, into the ground. It's just that injuries have been a real major problem for this organization. Yeah, and it, it seems to be uh, from the last coaching regime to Fred Hoiberg's group to Jim Boylan is that. This is something the Bulls have dealt with the last few years. Um, player development and getting guys on the floor, availability, is important. You know, here's the key. Kobe White, last year at North Carolina, he played 35 games. He averaged uh, 28.5 minutes per night. So he was out there. He was available. He seems to be a pretty reliable player. And you look at his build and his size, he looks like the type of player that won't be injury prone. You look at Zach Levine and you see what he's gone through injury-wise, explosion, the way he gets into the paint. You kind of look, ah, he might be the type of guy that's injury-prone throughout his career. So, what you know, it's a chicken-egg situation. Is it the players you're drafting or is it the organization and what you're doing? I, I think sometimes it just gets chalked up to bad luck, too. You know, and, and somehow it keeps happening. And like you said, when it keeps happening to the same teams, the trend is pointing towards something. Well, I think the trend is the injuries are obvious, but then you have to think about your own training staff. And John Paxson said this in the, the press conference at the end of the season. He wasn't, I don't know if he's blaming trainers that players choose outside of the facility, but he did mention the fact that he was not happy that players on this team go someplace else to work out as and i don't know if he was blaming those trainers for the injuries but he said he would prefer for his players to be working here at the advocate center or is it like uh is it like the parent that uh remodels the basement and puts all this equipment in the basement yet you go to the uh export (laughs) <laughs> to work out yeah. like they have all this great equipment here at the advocate center sure are they just annoyed that they they spend all this money on this facility and yet the players are not using it they're going elsewhere to do it listen they they work out in season they can practice here but no, when they come, come the summer they want to be they want to be where I, they live I, I thought that was an interesting um thing to say because didn't the bulls uh point out to everyone last off season that everyone was here working out wasn't that what they did on social media? They they promoted on their Instagram feed and on Twitter that all the guys were here working out all summer long. Yep. They were all running sprints. Mm-hmm. They went to a track as a group and they ran sprints. Yep. But yet they were all injured this year. 
You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. We're in the second round of the NBA Draft. The Jazz have taken Justin Wright Foreman, and the Sixers are now on the clock. Which uh, Did we miss some picks here? Oh, yeah. We uh, recently, 52, went to Jalen McDaniels from San Diego State, the power forward. We got Tremont Waters from LSU, the point guard at 51. Uh, and uh, Justin Wright Foreman from Hostra, the point guard, goes 53 to the Utah Jazz. The 76ers, the 54th pick tonight, they are on the board right now. So... Uh we are a minute away from the Sixers picking the round number two. Glad that you're with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN for our 2019 NBA draft show. Looks like on Twitter, um, from people hitting us up on Twitter at TweetJHood, at Chris Bleck, it seems like many people are very happy with the uh, white pick, the Kobe white pick for the Chicago Bulls at seven. I don't see any negativity, do you? Yeah, I would say that there are some people that are trying to point out that he's not a, a great three-point shooter. I would disagree. I think Kobe White last year was really good from three. Um, in fact, last year from three, he shot 35%. You know, is that the best in the class? No, but I thought it was still really good. Um I think also uh, some people are kind of questioning whether or not he can be a uh, difference maker in an elite level as, a, as far as a scorer. And then if you disagree with that, I would kind of say, well, are you really watching right. what he did at North Carolina? Because if you watch him handle the ball and create space for himself, that's exactly what he is. But I think for the most part, Bulls fans are tweeting us tonight that they're very excited. And the Bulls got their pick. They got a point guard for the future. You know, I, even if they did not go point guard and it was someone else that they went with, Chris, the whole focus for me is the core of the team and, and I know that um, John Paxson was not enamored necessarily with Chris Dunn. If Chris Dunn was the lead guard, you still need some shooting at that spot. That, that's the whole thing. I, I just um, There's a couple of things that still are an issue for me. Number one, we watch the entire league, so we got to make sure that we put this out here. It's not a Bulls thing because there are some people that would just watch Bulls basketball and think they watch the NBA. It's not the same thing. Yeah. I think I'll speak for myself and tell you that the reason why that I enjoy watching the NBA is because everything is in the prism of what with everybody else does. It's in the prism of what the Bulls do, meaning that when I watch other organizations and I watch other teams and know how they go about their business, I see – the Bulls, and juxtapose that with the Bulls and everybody else. When I look at Bulls basketball, I say, okay, well, how do you win? How do you stockpile your picks? How do you, how, how are you in free agency? Because we've seen in recent vintage what the Golden State Warriors do. I use that as an example, the way they were able to build. I see the Toronto Raptors being able to not have not one lottery pick for them to be able to win a championship. It may be an, an anomaly, fine. But the point is, is that they were able to build a champion. So my point is is that when I'm watching the entire league, I try to figure out, okay, what are the Bulls not doing where other teams are flourishing? Yeah, and when you watch uh, the league, I think the other thing to kind of point out is, like, you try and gauge whether or not what the Bulls have can compete with what you're seeing across the league because that's the other thing that you get is sometimes you get a bias where you only see a team once against the Chicago Bulls and then that makes up your your mind or your opinion. But then if you watch, say, Utah comes into Chicago and they play a bad game here. Sure. But then they go on to Detroit and completely change their tendencies and play differently and then they go on to Philly and then beat Philadelphia, then you're like, well, what team did I really see? Right. 
which team's a real Utah Jazz team? Is it the team that the Bulls beat, or is it the team that just went on a two-game winning streak on the road after losing to the Bulls? So that's why you have to kind of gauge everything in the NBA and put it all together, especially when you look at the Bulls and you compare them to other teams. And that's why you watch the playoffs and you watch a team like Toronto. Yeah. I know Kawhi Leonard is on a different level than than anyone that the Bulls have. Right. But the pieces around Kawhi Leonard, I don't know if they're that much different than what you could assemble here. I'm not right. saying what the Bulls have is what they have. I'm just saying, like, who said that that's not what you could build here? And then all you need to do is add that one star. A lot of this, though, it has to come with uh, testicular fortitude, meaning that you, like you've got to trade for Marcus All as a piece. Yeah. You've got to look at Fred Van Vliet and say that's a program at Wichita State where that guy all he did was shoot threes and you pick him up. That's when you identify a Siakam and say, you know what, we're going to accentuate the positives and hide the negatives with him. He's a he's long, athletic. Let him be able to just run. Of course. The, the type of offense that Nick Nurse is running, too. There was a little bit of a difference between Dwayne Casey and, and, and what Nurse was running. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely, especially on the defensive end. But offensively, there's some new wrinkles there where Nurse was the assistant coach for Toronto. 18 inches over, he becomes the head coach. and says, oh, we can tweak a few things here. Kawhi Leonard, of course, is the big the big thing here because he came over via the trade. But the parts around him, as you mentioned, that was very key. Well, and remember this, too. I mean, uh, Kawhi Leonard's there, but also Nick Nurse getting along with his players. Listen, no matter what they want to tell us is happening now, Jim Boylan taking over here didn't go well at the start. Correct. Now, it could be completely different. Kobe White could completely buy in. Zach Levine could be totally cool with his shots that he's getting now. Everything could be cool. But at some point, it wasn't cool, and that at that point was at the start of his tenure here with the Chicago Bulls. So, like, Nick Nurse takes over a Raptors team, and yes, again, they have Kawhi Leonard, sure. and then they have better players, Pascal Siakam. I don't know if there's anyone on the Bulls roster that's better than Pascal Siakam. There isn't. Okay, so, like, they have a lot more talent, but also Nick Nurse got it from the start. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. He moved over the seat. There was no mutiny on hand for Nick Nurse when he took things over. There was one reported to be taking place here. It's now been reported that everything's cool with Jim Boylan and what they're doing with the Bulls uh, head coaching staff with the players right now. So hopefully it all works out for him because I, I think that's where you kind of have to set what the culture is. And I get that they wanted to kind of whip these guys into shape. But on the other side, Nick Nurse didn't really have that strategy with the Raptors. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a different vibe. Right. It wasn't like uh, military style, which I get get is the vibe around here sometimes because it's like my way or the highway. Yeah. Where there it was like Nick Nurse is like, I want to learn how you learn type of. Well, well, here's here's going to be interesting. The way the season starts next season will tell a greater story than you and I can ever tell about what the relationship really is with Jim Boyle and the players. Now, if you notice toward the end of the season, there was it was reported that Zach Levine and some of the other players yeah. got more of an interest in Jim Boyle and how they had each other's back and all that kind of stuff. We'll see what happens now to start the season because yeah. there's a couple of things that work here. Jim Boylan now has an extension of that contract, which is, is something I totally disagree with. I said at the time, and I'll tell you right now, 
he need to be able to prove himself for one more year at the very least to find out whether or not he could be right for the job. But his temperament is something that was sold on, on especially John Paxson, right? Yep. His temperament is Pax's temperament, where it's like, you know what, we're going to start from scratch here, and you guys are going to do up-downs, and you guys are going to, you know, we're going to get yourself into in a certain shape, and we're going to play a certain way. And guess what? That's not... Uh, that doesn't last long in the NBA, but it but it works for John Paxson because remember, Fred Hoiberg almost had to learn how to be tougher. Right, he was a college coach, and and actually, to when you think about it, Chris, Fred did it right as far as temperament. Fred was a college coach, yes, but he also played in the league for a decade, and so what he said when he saw Thibodeau's team, he thought, you know what. These guys are veteran players. I don't need to do a lot of yelling and screaming and get them whipped into shape. Right. They just got through with Tom. So I could just be able to suggest a few things here and there. And they ran over him. And upstairs here did not like Fred's temperament. Didn't think he was tough enough. Didn't think he wasn't swearing enough. Was, was not, and, and in this league, you don't necessarily have to be that guy. But that's what they wanted upstairs. Yeah, and I don't doubt that he lost the team. You know, this isn't about, like, Fred Hoiberg should still be here. But, like, clearly there are different ways about going about it. And this started by us talking about the Raptors and Nick Nurse. Yes. And and I, I think it's just going to – you're right. The way next year unfolds, and hopefully you have healthy players, and Kobe White is ready to go from the start. Zach Levine's ready to go. Marketing hopefully has worked out this summer to be ready to make it through a full 82-game season. You know, Lowry's gotten hurt in his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is a trend. You know, uh, by the way, for Bulls fans, Lowry Marketing is a third-year player. That is no longer young. You are now a vet. Right. When you enter your third year, you're a vet in the league. So that means the production has to start to go upwards as far as him uh, ascending towards a star level in this league. A lot of questions heading into this season, but I think a lot of answers will be had based on just the season playing out. Jalen Hands, the point guard from UCLA, goes to the L.A. Clippers with uh, the number 56 pick in the second round of the NBA draft. Along with Chris Black, John of the Hood with you. As we continue to keep you, our eyes on the second round, we'll update you on some of the picks that happened in the second round. But Kobe White is a Chicago Bull, and we're talking about it right here on the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. John Paxson being the media right here on ESPN 1000. You go down the list of people for us, so they need to be recognized in terms of where we're at and how we came to decisions tonight. So tonight, you know, for us in the position we're at, we feel like we have uh, gotten two really good basketball players young, but who fit the direction we have talked about for the last couple of years. Uh, Very excited about them, obviously. And uh, we think both of them, Kobe White is a young player at the point guard position, kind of point guard, shooting guard. As you know, in our league today, there's, uh, you know, lead guards tend to score and, and do a lot of different things on the floor. We think he has the the ability to, to score, uh, handle. He's, he's quick, fast, has positional size at 6'5 that we really, really liked and uh, brings a lot of intangibles. As a young man, he's the type of guy we we will really enjoy having here. And, and Daniel Gafford, um, you know, we, he's, he's a tough-minded, uh, 
young guy that can run the floor, protect the rim, kind of prototypical big guys in our in our game today that, that do certain things. So we feel like we've added two young guys, and it's just a start to this offseason for us, but we feel like it's a really good start and uh, very pleased with the the results tonight. So um, I will take questions. Yes, Joe. John, Joe Kelly sometimes. Um, <laughs> just in case you didn't know. Uh, obviously, the at least from the scouting reports, the, the thing about Kobe is, you know, court vision and stuff wasn't that of a, a true point guard. Is that something that can be learned? Did you guys see other stuff in half-court sets that didn't show up where it looked like he was just more of an open-court guy that you feel like when the game does slow down, he can still direct an offense and still run pick and roll? I mean, what exactly did you guys see? Well, well first of all, um, he's a 19-year-old young man who, you know, we, we have to keep that in mind. Uh, he is, most of these guys in this draft are not finished products. They're not anywhere close. Uh, do we believe he will learn and grow? Absolutely. All of our background on him uh, is, is he is the type of young man that will, will take the challenge on. So um, I, I do believe, you know, as we talk as a staff, the way we want to play, you have to play faster in today's game. You have to get the ball up the floor. Uh, this young man can play an, an up-tempo game. And Jim has spoken often about how we want to have multiple ball handlers, guys who can take the ball off the board, push it up. Uh, Kobe can run. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he, at North Carolina this year, as a freshman, he took on you know a role with a lot of older guys, uh, a leadership role. Uh, we're you know as you go about your work, and I, I said this when the season ended, and when you start digging into the draft. You start looking at the individual and what he can, you know, do for your organization, and we we feel he's just a really good fit for us. And uh, he's got a world of talent. Uh, yes, he can score the ball, but you have to score the ball in this in this day and age. Um, but again, he, he's a an added piece tonight. You know, when we think back to two years ago draft night, what we've done, uh, we've added a lot of really good pieces in Zach Lowry, Wendell. Uh, now we had Kobe. We've got Chandler and and Daniel now, and and we made the trade for Otto. So we we feel we've made a significant jump. Now it's up to our players to uh, obviously get better, uh, perform at a high level. Uh, I think these two young guys, and you know, you'll you'll hear from Jim on Monday. Uh, they they embody kind of that competitiveness that he wants to see and and have on our on our basketball team. So uh, there's like I said, I, I think the most important thing is that. Kobe White's, you know, a 19-year-old young man that's going to get better as a basketball player. He's just starting his career, and we're our job is to develop him and help him develop into the best player he can be. John, co- competition, particularly in practice, can be often a good thing. How do you think uh, uh, Chris Dunn will handle this uh, night, and uh, do you still f- see a role for him on this team? You didn't mention him when you just ran down the people you've acquired. Well, it, I, I've mentioned many times uh, since the season ended that we've not given up on Chris. He's, he's a good basketball player. And uh, we, I, I, I should have mentioned him earlier, so I, I apologize. My, you know, long day, brain's fried. But uh, um, we still value Chris very much. But competition is a part of this business. And, you know, that you have to have that. Um, I think we, the, the goal for us is to be deeper, more talented. Uh, you know, you see in our, in our game today, the 
you know, the successful teams, they, they, they have a roster that's, you know, you can, you know, it's got versatility and those type of things. So, uh, we, we respect Chris Dunn. We, we want him to come in and work. And But nothing can be given to you in this game. And, hey, if he comes in, as we hope, in training camp and is in great shape and, and ready to roll, he has every chance to, to earn any job, any spot he wants, just like any of our guys do. After the addition of Kobe, what's the thought process and how does it affect uh, your spending in free agency as it pertains to the point guard position? Do you still want to add a veteran point guard? Or do you shift the focus elsewhere? We're not going to. I'm not going to talk tonight about uh, you know specifics. We've we've already had a ton of dialogue as a staff. We have a, a very good understanding of the direction we want to go and how we want to use our money. Um, we're going to attack that uh, at the proper time. But we we have specific ideas in mind and how we want to go about the off season. You know, after the draft, which uh, which starts now. Hey, John, what the. How is his defense, and what's your what's your level of confidence in a Kobe White, Zach Levine backcourt defensively? Everything we've watched with Kobe defensively, again, he's six five and strong. That's the first thing. Um, he he has the tools to be a very good defender, and we watch him. He moves his feet well, those type of things. So, uh, like I said before, um, he, he's a young, very young player. It, it, we, we can't go, you never go into these things thinking you have an established guy. He's going to get better as a basketball player. Our, our job with any young players, like we, we've talked about over the last several years with Lowry and Wendell, is to develop them, put them in an environment where they can get better, get stronger. Uh, and, you know, we feel like we do, you know, we do a pretty good, bless you, feel, feel like we do a pretty good job of, uh, of that. So. Yeah, I, we'll see how that that develops. But we think Kobe can be a good defender. Yeah, but but he's young. It, there, there's guys come in this league. They, there's a learning curve. I don't care what who you are uh, and what position you play. Uh, he, he'll be challenged every night. Uh, you know, guarding some some really good players. Um, Jim will challenge our guys to be better defensively. You know, that's uh, that's something he'll do from day one. John, Kobe said that his best individual meeting with any coach was with Jim. How important was that to you guys that they hit it off and that they had that relationship from the beginning? Well, it's it's always good. I, I think what that showed uh, Kobe is, and, and I, you've heard me talk about this, about about Jim, his, his care factor for our organization, the team, the players is very, very high. And what he did was he took film of Kobe, some good, some not so good, and sat with him and went through the, the film and, and talked to him about it. It was from what I what both of them described, Jim especially, is it was just a it was a good basketball conversation. And we had an opportunity to talk to Kobe just a little while ago and uh, Jim brought that up and you know he's he he's anxious for more of those. The 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 great players want to learn, they want to be coached, um, they want to feel that you're investing in them. And I, our guys feel that i it's it's uh it's pretty obvious right now that that our guys understand what jim's philosophy is he, he is going to coach them hard but but young guys need to be coached hard and they need to be demanded certain things but they also have to know that you're doing it for the right reasons and jim's really good at that i think kobe saw that that day john you talked about the obvious importance of pushing the ball and playing at a faster pace does the addition of kobe kind of change how you look at the maybe the identity of the bulls is this going to be something that's going to represent 
where you maybe want to go in the next few years? Well, I, I think there's a couple things. Yes, if, if, you, if you study our game, it's, it's a quicker pace game. It's a more open game, spacing the floor, those type of things with those type of players. Uh, I think one of the understated things that we've done is, you know, Jim's changed a couple key components of his staff. Uh, we have Chris Fleming now who has a very bright offensive mind who believes in quicker pace, some of the actions out of that that uh, I think will be really good for our, our team. The, one of the things we like about Kobe a lot is that he can play off the ball. And we talk a lot about the multiple ball handlers, that type of thing. And he, he's a guy that, that can, you know, he can run because he's fast. He can spot up and shoot it. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we're trying to build a team to play effectively in today's modern game. Uh, that means versatility in, in a lot of different areas. So the fact that Kobe can play both, both positions. Now, in, in today's game where, you know, you, you talk a lot about pure points, I don't know how many pure points we really have anymore. You know, the guys, you know, mo- most really good point guards have a scoring component to them, an effective scoring component to them. Uh, so we see him at this stage, just one year out of college, 19-year-old young man, that he's going to get better and better. So, But it, it, it's going to be a process, as, as it always is. But we, we feel like we've added to our, our talent base, our asset base tonight, um, and now we can I, – I, we feel very confident going into free agency with this group we have and, and adding some what we feel can be really valuable pieces to this group. John, the night you, you dropped – to seven uh, the night of the draft lottery, you, you said one of the first things you said was there are more than seven players on our board that we like. So you talk confident. Obviously, you have a, kind of an idea, or you at least have to project how you think the board's going to go. And then tonight, it changes with the two trades above you. Did you think a point guard would be there at seven all the way through that process? And how much did you maybe value one point guard over another? Well, it, the, the, today was right before the draft was, you know, all these things going on. So we had... Uh, we really didn't know. There was a there was a scenario there where we didn't think any point guard would be there, to be honest with you. But we were we were ready to to go with a player that we would we would have been very very comfortable with there. Um, again, it's it's the last week we've sat in our room and gone over every possible scenario you can go over. You know, if teams take certain players, so we were, we were ready and we would have been felt really good about it, but. Kobe being available for us, it obviously addresses something that, uh, you know, that I talked about at the end of the season where, you know, it's a position that we want to get stronger at. Uh, the competition that we should have there now is, is, is good. You know, the, the, today we're, you know, playing 82 games for players now seems to be maybe the, you know, we've, we've seen those days over with. And to have a, a versatile roster, to have guys that uh, can can be interchangeable, um, you know, you might see times where we play Kobe and, and Chris Dunn together. Uh, uh, I think Jim's real excited about where we're heading and the the possibilities there. Um, did we favor one over the other? That that's something you did, you know we we had internal discussions. We we're not going to give that away, but uh, we had our board in line, and uh, you know we we feel fortunate tonight that, that we walked out of there with, with Kobe White and Daniel Gafford. Um, how do you see the balance of your roster having added you know, two more young players to all the young players you have? 
are you able to make a projection about next season? And you haven't really mentioned a second-round pick yet. It seems like a uh, you know defensive uh, rolling center. He is. He's a defensive rolling center, uh, high energy, uh, can run the floor. He's very athletic. You know his his rebound numbers uh, analytically, his shot blocking numbers were really high. Uh, played in a, a really difficult conference and, and produced. So we we think he could be. You know, again, it, it's he's a young man that's going to have to earn his stripes, but. Uh, we liked him as a basketball player. So, but but yeah, we're we're still very young. We we've recognized that for the last couple of years, and we know that this off season now we have to address some some veteran players that can fit into the group that we have, help us win basketball games. Uh, it's something that's exciting for us. And you know, talking to you know, tonight as we sat together as a, as a group, Gar and Jim Boylan, and you know, we're 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 really excited about the possibilities, but. This league is is competitive. It's difficult. Other teams are sitting there tonight feeling like they did a great job with their draft and, and the direction they're going. So we have to we have to stay focused and kind of single minded on how to get better. And, and we have ideas in free agency. They've got to be the right type of guys for us, uh, you know. But but Jim often talks about you know he he wants the competitive guys. He wants the tough guys. The tough minded people. I think we got two tough-minded young people tonight. We we have to approach it the same way as we get into free agency. I, yes, Sam. I wanted just to follow up without a microphone. Yes. Did you give any consideration to you know Toronto's one, but Kawhi Leonard might you know could leave in free agency. Boston has a number of guys potentially leaving free agency that the Eastern Conference may be more open than people expected. Do you, do you look at that factor as well too when you're doing these things? Well. I mean, you always pay attention to them, but I think we're still in that position of we're, we're trying to get better. Uh, we're trying to build a roster that is sustainable and can win. Um, we always have understood it's difficult when you're young, but you can't use that excuse for, for, for you know, you can't keep using that. I mean, Lowry Markman is going to be going in his third year. Zach Levine's been in the league for a long time, so is Otto. Uh, we got Wendell, who's now you know got one year half a year under his belt but um so we're, we're looking to improve and to be a team that uh competes every night because there's been times where we we haven't competed at the level that that we need to hey, John, I hope that answers your question sam <laughs> thank you john i wanted to ask you about how the the draft process has changed a little bit you know kobe white talked about how he came in here and visited but didn't work out and and I think the only guys that that came in here and did work out were, you know, the like lottery type guys or Culver and and Seku. Is that does did that make it any more difficult to judge these guys because it's a lot different than it used to be? It is different, and it's. Uh, I hope it's something that our league addresses without getting too too deep into it. Um, the the agents and there are ton of good agents but the way our system is set up they have control over this process and it's oftentimes difficult to to get certain information that you should be able to get so i know the league's aware of it and you know hopefully uh you know we can change some things going forward but it just shows you it puts a it puts a premium on your your scouting from from the get-go and it's not it's you know, we're, we're approaching a, 
a time where you know high school players are going to be able to come back into the league, and so our, our scouting is have to going to have to get even better, more detailed, all those type of things. So uh, it's not going to get any easier. I'll tell you that. So, but we, we Gar and I talk about this all the time. We we are really confident in our process in terms of our draft. Uh, we do not have a huge staff, but we cover a lot of ground. Uh, kind of, you know, dismissing guys is almost as important as who you really like, you know, to, to, to drill down. And um, our guys work really hard. I'm really proud of, of the group we have. You added Kobe White, plays really fast. You just mentioned Chris Fleming as well, offensive-minded, um, wants to push the pace. Is Jim on board to push the pace? Because you guys were 20, 21st last year. Uh, in the NBA and pace. Is this something he's embracing or is it something that you've kind of seemed to be pushing onto him viewed another way? No, we're not pushing anything onto our head coach. Um, he, he, Jim wants to play faster. Uh, there, there's a, you know, in, in watching the game basketball, there's, there's a, you know, offense and defense work together. If you're an efficient offensive team, a lot of times you're a better defensive team because Teams got to take the ball out of the basket, you know, to to run up, you know, run against you. If you're not an efficient offensive team, you turn it over a lot. Those, those are you're not going to be as good a defensive team. Um, the, Jim has a philosophy: the, the multiple ball handler system um, is is something that tends, lends itself to playing faster because you can get the ball off the board, hopefully, and guys can push it themselves. But you need a commitment to running, and I don't think we've always had guys committed to running, and that'll be something that. You know, from training camp, hopefully the summer, those type of things are. I know Jim wants to emphasize them and, and play. It's, it's simple. It's simple when you think about it. I mean, if, if you get the ball up quicker, you have more options. You can move the ball from side to side. Teams have to guard a little longer. Those type of things. So, um, and Kobe obviously has proven that he can play an up tempo game. Um, will he make some mistakes? Of course, all. All guards do. All rookie guards are going to have a learning curve. You know, if you go back last year to to Trey Young, uh, if you watch the first thirty games of Trey Young's career, he—I mean, he—he he had a tough time at times. But he, he's a talented young man, and he figured it out and had a great year. So, uh, I'm not comparing Kobe to, to him, but I'm just saying that the 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 position itself is difficult for a young guy. It's it's probably even harder. But we have confidence that he's a a, a great kid, and he's going to learn. We good? Thank you so much. You got it. So the thoughts there from the Vice President of Basketball Operations, John Paxson, as you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app, with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Chris, what stood out most about the presser from John Paxson? Well, uh, he uh, mentioned that Chris Stone definitely has a role on this team and that the competition for point guard will be good for Chris Dunn and for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Bulls will be committed to running. I think that was an interesting way to end the press conference. Uh, when he comes over here to talk to us, we'll ask him, you know, pushing the pace, tempo, and all that good stuff, does it start only with the point guard? It made it, he made it seem there that it wasn't just on the point guard, the commitment to running and how players weren't committed last season to running uh, up and down the court, not just getting up and down the court, but consistently running, trying to maximize possessions for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it also uh, struck, uh, stood out to me uh, that Kobe White and Jim Boylan had a fantastic meeting when he was here at Advocate Center, and they like the person, Kobe White, 
and what he can bring to the table and that they're they're thrilled to, to have him here I think that the as you mentioned the lack of commitment to running is that under Fred is that under Jim Boylan is that Biggs is it guards yeah I, I don't which regime is he talking about because it was two last year right so I, I don't know which players that he's talking about there uh, and he won't say what players it is but here's the thing you want to be able to have something in which you want to be able to catch up with the rest of the league because it's about pace of play. It's about getting yeah. up and down the floor. So, you know, whatever it is, I'm glad that there's a, kind of um, a few new coaches here under Jim Boylan that and maybe the Bulls will not be at the number 2021 20, mark when it comes to uh, getting up and down the floor because you don't want to be left behind. What we saw last year was a slow-down offense uh, that's not going to beat anybody on a regular basis. You know, something else that stood out to me was uh, he talked about having enough bodies to get through the season because clearly we know that 82 games isn't the right amount of basketball games for a season. Did you pick up on that? He was kind of pointing to the fact that, you know, a lot of people have talked to, look at Kawhi Leonard. He was so fresh in the playoffs. He played 60 games this last year. Adam Silver's talked about it, shortening the schedule for the NBA season. Clearly, that's something that John Paxson, we're going to have to ask him about because if he he makes reference, well, you know, we're going to have to switch lineups because no one's going to play 82 games anymore. I think that's different than what most Bulls fans expect from their basketball team, even though that's the new way of the league. I don't think any team is really projecting anyone to play 82 games in a season. So we'll have to ask him about that, too. No, but when you are the uh, the youngest team in the NBA, that's not necessarily – shouldn't be a concern, right? That should, should not be a talking point. Well, go back to last year. They had a lot of people that were hurt last season. So You, you think that's the way around it? Well, I mean, I think uh, preservation of uh, your assets and, and keeping guys healthy is going to be number one for this next upcoming season. And if it's limiting games and using rest days and, and mix, mix, mixing and matching the uh, rotation just to get that accomplished, I, I could see it happening. We'll take a break and come back and uh, hope to talk to John Paxson, the Vice President of Basketball Operations, as we broadcast live from the Advocate Center in Chicago with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. You're listening to ESPN 1000 WMVP Chicago. Now back to our coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, here's Jonathan Hood. Glad you're with us here for the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood, Chris Black with you as we uh, wrap up our coverage of the NBA Draft. We're going to hear from John Paxson, the Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Bulls coming up. But... Uh, the Bulls are able to get their guy. We heard earlier from John as he talked to the press. He got his guy in Kobe White. As we mentioned coming into the draft, Chris, you know, he <laughs> knew the Bulls need to have a, a lead guard, but it's almost like Kobe White kind of just fall, fell into the lap for the Bulls, right? Yeah, and the, the way the uh, first seven picks kind of fell in the first round tonight, you, you were wondering whether or not the Chicago Bulls are going to have to make a move to go get Kobe White. And uh, after Zion Williamson went one, John Morant two, R.J. Barrett three, DeAndre Hunter four, Darius Garland at five for the Cavs. That's the first point guard that you said, oh, man, as a Bulls fan, I was hoping that the Bulls could have uh, a shot at Darius Garland. And then 
Minnesota at six, what were they going to do? They take Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech, and that left Kobe White for the Bulls at seven. The need and the the best player available sitting right there at seven. The reason why that I thought that the Bulls would take Culver at seven is because I didn't think White would be there. Yeah. You know, I didn't think he'd be there. I figured, well, if, if Kobe White is a terrific young player, and I thought that if he's going to be one of the top six picks, that Culver would drop to seven and the Bulls would have him. And if the Bulls took Culver, I would have no problem with it. You still have to address the, the lead guard spot. And as I thought, you know, you can address that in free agency as well. You know, I'm really hot on Pat Beverly. I think that he'd be really good for the Bulls as far as temperament, veteran leadership. John talked about that in the press conference that, you know, it's you're trying to build some veteran players around some of the young players on, on this roster. Youngest team in the NBA, you want to be able to have some veterans around it. And I thought that if White wasn't there, you go for Beverly. Maybe you still do if you don't think that Chris Dunn's the answer. Listen, uh, John Paxson told uh, the media that it's not like you don't have enough players to play, right? So, like, if they added another guard to mix in there with Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and Kobe White, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, ideally, I would like someone who's like a, a legit three-point shooter who could mm-hmm. come off the bench, give you some minutes, and also give you a boost offensively. You knew and you know that he could come in and just hit three-point shots, space the floor. Uh, whether or not that guy's out there, a J.J. Redick, a Pat Beverly, what they'll command on the open market. You know, because Beverly's an interesting uh, situation because he's from Chicago. He's flirted on social media with Chicago fans trying to, I don't know, troll or to just get a rise out of people. Uh, I think we would all like to see him play for the Chicago Bulls, but the team that he was currently on is going to be a damn good team right. next year, the Clippers. And, you know, whether or not he's going to choose to leave Los Angeles to come back home to join a team that isn't guaranteed to win, that, that I think is an interesting situation because I get coming back home but then you also have to look at the difference between where the teams are. And if Kawhi Leonard says, I'm going to the Clippers, where would you rather fit in? Would you rather fit in with the Clippers or just fit in under the cap here with the Bulls? Well, that's, that's the thing. But see, it's almost like a game of merry-go-round, Chris, because I know that as a player, I would want to be with a winning team. Yeah, I don't want to be in some place that's a rebuild because for Pat Beverly or for any other free agent that's out there that's in the middle of the barrel of free agents, you want to be able to uh, be in a position where you can win an NBA championship. Yeah, And so, you know, and with this spot here, you know, John, is he, he wasn't even going full throttle on what the Bulls are going to be this year based right. on his conversation. You just heard him with the press there. He's always very cautious. He's mm-hmm. not as excited as we were last year, believing that in a LeBronless East that the, that the Bulls would be in the playoffs and be in the top eight teams in the East. He's very cautious because he has a plethora of injuries. That team, this team is underachieved time and time again. So even he's cautious about it. You and I were right, though. I mean, the East was wide open. Oh, yeah, it was. And a team from the East that we uh, didn't necessarily expect when we were sitting here last year at this time won the Eastern Conference, and they won the NBA Finals. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you look at it, and you're right. Uh, Being cautious is the best way to go in this situation just because you have so many unproven players on your roster. You know, look at the two last draft picks in the first round that you have. We don't know what Wendell Carter Jr. is. We don't know what Lowry Markkinen is. That's why he's cautious is because it's still an evaluation. You know, and I, I get on social media a, a lot about, well, you know, 
Hood, you, you're not going as hard on the bulls as you should. Well, I'm thinking, well, I'm already going 110 miles an hour. <laughs> like, like how, how fast do you well, want me to drive this car? It, because here, here's the difference between my analysis of the bulls two or three years ago and now. My analysis of the bulls are this, is the same, that this team's got to get healthy for you to evaluate. The other thing is, though, is that, as you mentioned, there is this fe- feeling of snake-bitten or unlucky or whatever, but you know in-house you've got to be able to change some things. If you're, just, if, you're not, um, if you're not happy about the amount of injuries that you've had, you've got to make some changes. You can't go, you, you, you know, this, this place here, this, this organization is about loyalty, but it's okay to be able to change things if you feel like you have to to be able to, to get healthier, get better, get a fresh set of eyes on the organization. Go harder at the Bulls. Like, I, what, I, what I'm confused about is you call it like it is, right? There is no, I'm just going to go hard at them because I'm feeling this way today right. or that way tomorrow or I'm in my field, so I'm going to go at the Bulls, <laughs> right? Like, like, that's not how it works, right? We right. call it like it is, and, you know, this is why uh, you and I do this draft show every year. The night a couple of years ago when they traded Jimmy Butler, I sat right next to you and to Nick Ferdell, and I said to both of you guys, you didn't have to do this. That was just calling it like it is. That wasn't going at the Bulls. That wasn't doing anything other than just calling it like it is. You didn't have to trade away a player who was a star player in the league and then start from the bottom back up. Right. Now you are. Now we're in. We're heading towards year three of this rebuild. So now we are starting to see where the shape of the team is at. And then we have to start asking questions and looking for answers based on what they've compiled. That's not going like what, what more do Bulls fans want? Just calling for their jobs. Is that, is that the take? See, like the thing that I have and a problem with that is like, don't we all already know that? Right. Like if people are calling for jobs and, and asking for some dramatic change, we we already know that that's the story with the Chicago Bulls. Right. Right. They're going to have to rebuild this. Right. And then if it doesn't work, there probably will be change. Right? Like like well, like I mean, what 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 more do people want? Well, I think that well, you can understand in a big market like Chicago, Chris, you want to be able to be in a position where you are a top 8 team in the Eastern Conference. They want to see the playoffs and they want to see growth. You you get that. I mean, and, and once again, there are a number of teams that are always in the playoffs and get bounced. And I know that this Bulls organization doesn't want mediocrity, but you also don't want to be spinning your wheels either. Well, they were a playoff team, though. They were an eighth seed, yeah. and they couldn't win. Right. And and they really didn't have a direction. You know, they have a direction now, but I, I think the one thing that everyone, including people in this building that work here, would agree with us is they're never going to win a championship until they get that star player. Right. So, like, all the pieces that we can compile through all these drafts and, and, and make it look nice, it, it, it's okay. But at the end of the day, can you beat Toronto with Kawhi? Can you beat the 76ers with Embiid and Simmons? Well, it's the, it's the process of, of how you're able to get to obtain that star, right? So like either you're going to draft it and, and build it. Right. Or, or you're going to use these assets to or, trade for one. Or going to trade for one because right. they're not they're not walking through exactly. the door. And but but you are compiling assets now. Yeah, because yeah. you know what what happened with the Anthony Davis thing when it all started, right? You looked at teams that had young players and young assets, and you started trying to figure out trades that could interest the Pelicans into trading Anthony Davis. All right, so who's the next star? Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
Right. Do you have enough young assets when he wants to force his way out of Milwaukee to say, hey, we have a top 15 player in Kobe White. We have the scoring two guard in Zach Levine. Mm -hmm. We have the shooter in Lowry Markkinen. We'll trade you that for Giannis. Because because what's going to happen? Either someone has to become a star out of this group that you've drafted and compiled, or you're going to have to trade for one. Right. Got to be able to do something one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, But cultivating talent is is so important for this organization. There's no question. As you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Advocate Center here in Chicago. The uh, Chicago Bulls are able to get their guy. They get uh, Kobe White. Um, and as we mentioned, Kobe White is exactly what you need if you're the Bulls, a guy that can be an igniter offensively. And, and I think one of the key things that John talked about when you talk about when he comes here is is that the philosophy offensively, Chris, that is something that we talked about in within the draft show, Yeah, uh, about trying to be able to have a different philosophy offensively. One of the reporters mentioned 2021st in pace. That's going to change here, especially when you have a an igniter like White as your lead guard. Yeah, they're tied for 20th, uh, 101 possessions per game last season. So obviously with White here, he's going to push the pace. The Bulls are going to have more possessions. Um, he's a better shooter than what you've had at point guard as well. So you would think that the uh, true shooting percentage for the Bulls would jump from 28th because that's what's been a problem. I, I've said it on these draft shows the last three years. The biggest need for this team is more shooting. Right. So they, they have acquired that in Kobe White. I agree with that. I, I think this is a great pickup. And, you know, we come into this uh, day saying starting point guard is what they need in shooting. They've uh, addressed both of those needs. Yeah. Playoff team? Well, I mean, you know, you know what happened last year when we, when we did this with, with John. Is that how we should start this when he walks over? I think we start off by saying we're not going to say playoff team like we did last year. I think that's because, you know what, because you put the brakes on it before. You know, you, you don't want to talk about it then. Uh, I stand by that assessment. They have the talent. They just weren't healthy. Right, right. What do you think of, of – I remember when Laurie Markkinen was, was drafted, and I thought, you know, he wasn't the best player at Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, you need to be able to have him be in a position where he can get up and down the floor. We knew he could shoot the basketball a little bit. But I thought, again, we're only talking about a, a sample size here because it was not a full complement of games. I, I thought that from the little bit that we saw, there was flashes there from marketing. But, again, we got to see him for a full season. You know, I was surprised that in the fourth quarter of games, he disappeared at times. Did you, were you surprised at that last yes. season? Yes. Um, I don't know if that has more to do with Zach Levine dominating the ball late in the game, and I know more of that will happen with Otto Porter. But I think Bulls fans are looking for Lowry to kind of take it into his own hands to finish games for the Chicago Bulls. Right. I, could, I could totally see that coming forward in the next season. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from the Advocate Center, along with Chris Black, Jonathan, who with you. Please be joined by the Vice President of Basketball Operations. John Paxson is with us here on ESPN 1000. John, welcome. Thank you. Uh, before we talk about what you've done, what did you think of the draft overall? Chris and I were going back and forth. We thought at the top, top 10, there's some quality players there. There's, there's some projects in the middle, and it, I think it got better in the second, in the second round. What do you think of overall the draft? Well, I, I think at least what it showed us was that kind of beauty's in the eye of the beholder, you know. I mean, our, our draft board 
it looked a little different than the the way the draft went, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's that's the way it is, you know. I mean, and, and a lot of teams look at their rosters. They maybe try to address needs, or you just you know you fall in love with the uh, guys. Maybe it's his athletic tools or his skill level, and, and you go with it. Um, but you know, for us, it, you know, we feel like we we got what we needed tonight in terms of where we were drafting, and we feel real good about it. Uh, take us inside the draft board. When Kobe White was sitting there at seven for you guys, you had to be ecstatic because as we were sitting there watching these players and teams, Minnesota and the Hawks jump yeah. up ahead of you, we were worried that there wasn't going to be a point guard on the board for you. Is that what you were targeting, a point guard for seven? Well, we, we weren't targeting. We had our, our board, and, you know, with when you're drafting in the top ten, we, we would have gone – according to our board so if guy if guys were gone we would have taken a, a player that we we had there so and we were all pre- we were prepared for that i think what getting kobe did it it changed kind of our focus in the second round um had we drafted a different position in the first we would have been looking for something different you know in the second so that for us that's the way it kind of played out and uh but we you know we, we, every team views things a little differently and yeah there's probably a few minutes there where when minnesota moved up we thought you know they may be moving up to get, to get a point but uh you never really know in this in this business so you can try to get as much intel as you want but everybody's lying to each other anyway because they want to they want to get the guy they want so uh and you know for us trying to move didn't make a whole lot of sense because the price to do so for us was it was it was too much so uh, we stood pat, and we got a guy we really like. John, you play the position. What would be your advice for Kobe White as a lead guard trying to lead this team? What would be your advice for him? Well, first of all, the, the game has changed so much, and point guard, the, the true definition of it, it really doesn't apply as much anymore. I think that that position, you have more combo guards anyway. I think what you see is, you know, you, ha- you do you certainly have point- guards that that have a better feel or maybe some instincts that make them great passers, that type of thing. But everybody has to have a scoring component now. So um, I think where Kobe has to grow, first of all, he, he's really fast. He can play that push game. He's going to have to learn when to rein it in, you know, hold back, uh, understand decision-making a little better. But Again, none of these guys are finished products. You know, they, they're, they're all going to learn. They're all going to get better. It's on us. It's on our coaching staff to, to put them in positions where they can learn to, to make better decisions. So, but you know, as we delve into it and we, you know, we meet him, get to know him, this is a young guy that's, that wants to be good and will put everything into it. So I think when you guys get to see him, get to know him a little bit, he, he's a great kid. He, he, he really is. He raved about the meeting he had here at Advocate Center yeah. with you guys. Tell us about that meeting. What happened and, and who, who do you talk to besides Jim Boylan? Well, we, we visited with him. All, you know, all of us do. You know, we sit in a room with him and kind of put him through the, you know, the torture chamber, you know, but he was such a genuinely nice young man, uh, very open about, everything that in his life and his experiences you know he's had the he lost his dad a couple years ago and uh but but when he got with jim jim had taken uh some video uh some clips of him that were really good some clips that weren't so good and just they went through them and they talked about basketball and when we got him on the phone tonight after after the draft uh you know he referenced that and said he's looking forward to to more of those things and i i think it's what it's it showed Kobe and I, I our players have learned in the in the time that they've been with Jim after the you know we'll call it the rocky start is that Jim genuinely cares about 
these guys. He invests in them. And you can't be a good coach in this league anymore if you're not investing in these in these players. Uh, the time, uh, being sincere. Uh, they, they have to know that you, you genuinely want them to be better players. And, and he's doing that. I think Kobe saw that in the meeting. I, I really do. Along with uh, Chris Bleck and Jonathan Hood, talking to John Paxson with us here on our 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I want to get your thoughts on something that you said to the press earlier. Of course, we're not going to see a lot of players play 82 games anymore. Things have changed in that regard. But is load management something that you've been thinking about? You had the youngest team in the NBA, and you think, hey, these guys are young. They just want to get up and down the floor. They just want to learn. Is load management a concern for you? It's, it's, uh, it's on the radar of everybody now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call it what you want, but it's basically managing players so that uh, you try to keep them as healthy as they are. Um, we all pay attention to it, but... You know, there, there is the mindset for all of us that as, as much as these guys train in as great shape they are, and you even think about our league now where they, they've, uh, you know, no longer have four games and five nights. They've reduced the number of back-to-backs. You would think that, you know, that, that players would be able to, to manage games and th- those minutes more and more. But I personally feel it's, you know, th- these kids start playing basketball all year round at a really early age now. And I think, you know, you go through AAU basketball, they're playing 70 games a summer, and honestly, it, it never really ends for them. So I, I think the the toll on them as they get to the league has become great. So the the idea of managing players is going to be a priority for all of us. And, you know, the, the one situation that we can look back on this year that we've talked about is you know, we had the four-overtime game in uh, in Atlanta. And we had a lot of guys play big minutes. And we talked afterwards about, you know, maybe we should, uh, you know, do some things. I, I think we went to Zach and said, hey, you know, maybe. But to Zach's credit, Zach, that we were playing Atlanta, you know, turning around and playing him. Mm-hmm. Zach's credit said, no, no, I'm, I'm playing. You know, I'm, you know, so we're, we're going to have to, and I think all teams are looking at this saying, okay, be more proactive in terms of maybe how we, we do rest guys. Um, I don't think you want to go overboard with this because first of all players are pay, paid to play and the fans pay to see them play right and uh, i think we have to be very careful with that because uh you can get into a situation where you know it's not healthy for your your fan base not healthy for your team and uh but it's definitely it's on everybody's radar now and with rest means the team could probably run more during the game. You mentioned that maybe the whole team wasn't committed to running last season. Was that more of a point guard issue or is that like pushing the pace? Or is that a team-wide issue of guys not committed to running? Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, I think that w- one of the things that Jim wants to do is because we, we do feel like we have some versatility. Uh, you saw last year where Lowry can take the ball off the board and, and push it. Uh, Zach can do it. Otto can do it. Chandler Hutchinson, who we, we think that, that might be his best skills, rebounding and pushing and, and getting out. Kobe White can run. I, I think the more multiple ball handlers you can have if you rebound the ball, the, the more we'll be able to, to do that. But it has to be a mindset. You know, I, I was watching, you know, you watch all the playoffs and stuff. I mean, Golden State, man, that ball chain, it comes off the board, and they are sprinting. I mean, yep. it, consistently. It's not like they, they trot up and down. So, And you're seeing that more and more. Uh, so I, I think it's as much a mindset and a, a belief system. Um, our, assist, our, our new assistant coaches that we have, uh, Chris Fleming's a very offensive, creative offensive mind. He wants to you know push and run. Jim does too. 
you know, last year we just, you know, our personnel and the amount of injuries we had, it, w- it was just so disjointed. We really couldn't play any real style, uh, to be honest with you. So um, he'll have an opportunity this summer in a training camp to implement what he wants. What will, what will we see in Daniel Gafford, the kid from Arkansas? Um, you know what? He's uh, when, when we talk to him, we realize that he's a very self-aware young man. He knows who he is. And as a basketball player, he, he, we feel he won't get out of out of character. So what he does well, very athletic, uh, high motor, runs the floor. He can move his feet, defend, uh, rebound. I mean, it's analytically, when you looked at him rebounding the ball and shot blocking, he was really high. And he played in a very good conference, obviously, the SEC against some real good athletes and talent. So... You know, we liked him last year because he kind of tested the waters, and uh, he went back to Arkansas, had a really good year. And, you know, having drafted Kobe, that's the type of guy we were looking for. So uh, we we feel really good about him. Coming into tonight, we were talking about before the show uh, how we thought you guys needed more shooting and a point guard, obviously. Uh, Last year, you were 27th in three-point attempts in the league. Is that a focus this season to shoot more threes, thus creating, you know, just the idea of more three-point shots could open up the floor, more spacing, allowing Zach and now Kobe to penetrate and kick it out to others. Is that something you guys are talking about? Uh, we we want to play that way, but you, you, you're right. You need the personnel. Um, I, I think our, you know, last year, again, it was so disjointed because we, we didn't, again, you don't have your complete roster, but that, that's not an excuse. It just It just made it hard for us to to really try to do anything that we want to do. I, I, we had that stretch where after we traded for Otto and he was healthy, we were playing pretty well and, and had some decent moments. But this is going to be a whole new team. It's going to be a, a fresh start for a lot of guys. Uh, I think the the energy from the staff will be different because we've added a, a couple of new people and in, in Chris and Roy Rogers. Uh, that that should kind of you know infuse a, a different little bit of uh, attitude to us. And so we're, we're, we're optimistic, but... And I'd say this, and I, if you've heard me talk, I, I'm never oversell anything. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. We, we have a long way to go. We, we won 22 games last year, and you can say you had injuries, and we did, but that's not that's not an excuse. It, we 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 won 22 games, so we've got a long way to go to be competitive. That that's that's where we need to start. We need we need our our players to you know, every night they're out there grinding and playing hard, and our fan base can say, hey, this, this group has potential to to be something special and and the reality too for us is we need our the the current players on our roster before this draft night to get better and we've said it all along larry markinen we we feel has great promise he needs to step up wendell in the second year needs to Otto and and zach as leaders of this team need to to step up so that that's where we're headed but uh tonight was a you know a a good start for us and uh we're going to free agency see what we can do the reason why you didn't find me very often because I was in Hoffman Estates a lot, yeah, good. watching the G League, right? <laughs> good. Yeah. Good. Any, 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 anybody stand out that could make the right? Like I liked Alkins, Walt Lemon Jr. going to the basket. That was an igniter yeah, offensively. Yeah. Anybody you like? Well, on the, Walt, what do you see, team? Walt's going to be with us this summer, uh, so we'll we'll see. And uh, you know, but now with the G League, you know, we have this opportunity to sign two way contracts and things like that. Those those are valuable now because. You know, it goes kind of back to what you talked about—the load management. We we have fifteen. We have a fifteen-man roster. The G League allows us to to have two more players that you can bring up for forty-five days, and they can play in games and that type of thing. So there's real value there. So we we are we're looking at that avenue maybe to 
to, to find a gem if we can and uh, and go from there. But uh, uh, Hoffman State's been pretty good to us. We, we've gotten a couple of you know a couple of talented young men for for our program. I know you're not going to give us names as you head towards free agency, but uh, what are you guys looking at as the biggest need? Uh, something, maybe a three-point shooter? Is it veteran leadership? Is there something that you guys have pinpointed that we need to go out and acquire this summer? Well, the combination of things. I mean, we, we want good vets. We want guys that uh, you know fit who we want to be, fit Jim Boylan. Uh, so that's tough-minded. Um, but you know, we, I, we need a little more front court. I think uh, if we can find some versatility and maybe that three-four position, you know, uh, we, 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 that would help us. And you know, we still are looking at you know guards maybe that that might fill a gap. We we, we still have work to do, you know. And, and uh, we got some some ideas, and and now we get to to tackle that. You like the landscape of the NBA? We like it because we think it's wide open. Now, here's the thing: yeah. we're going to we're not going to do what we did to you last year. We did not say playoffs once, did no. we? We we did not. Six no. hours of coverage. We yep. didn't say play. We bombarded you with that last year, so yep. we're not saying that. You we're, set us straight, though. You I, set I us will straight. Say that. Yeah. Yes. So we're not saying that. We're, we're right. Calm. It's right. process. Pro- yeah, it process. is. It's, yeah. I, like I said, I want us to get back to our fan base can say, "Hey, these guys are competing every night," and uh, and and feel good about you know the guys out there on the floor. I, I think a guy like Kobe will be somebody that our fan base will enjoy watching play, and I think our te- his teammates will enjoy him. They'll, he'll he'll fit with them great. So, but it's just a start, and uh, we still got a long way to go. Well, once again, we are going to open up the invitation for you. After this, we're going to Oshawa <laughs> beers. This is the fourth year in a row. We're going to ask you again. I need wide some open. Sleep, man, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's early. We we don't we don't talk bulls, do we? We just talk about we just yeah. open up the draft and. Talk about other teams. We'll discuss free agency. We're uh, we're quads going to go. That's Every what year we'll it's an open out. invitation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, brothers. Every time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. All right, see you. John Paxson, the Vice President of Basketball Operations, with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as uh, we broadcast live here from the Advocate Center. All right, my friends. Uh, any, anything else uh, that stands out most? Listen, we started this night by saying, I hope the Bulls get a point guard. I hope he's a game changer. I think that's what the Bulls got. Uh, it seems like they accomplished exactly what they were trying to do tonight. And, you know, as we go forward with this Bulls team, I, I thought it was a good conversation with John Paxson. Clearly, uh, they are in the mindset of these players need to get on board with what they're trying to do. Uh, I thought, again, I know that's why we asked it, but the commi- committing to running, Last season uh, wasn't there, and it looks like that's what they're going to try and do this year. Kobe White's going to push the pace. So people better get on board. Uh, Wendell Carter, Lowry Markinen, Zach Levine, they better be ready to run because that's what Kobe White's going to do. And, Jonathan, like you were saying earlier, Jim Boylan, he better be ready for that style of offense too because Kobe White's not going to wait. Well, they said that, I mean, he put it out there to the press and told us that there's going to be more of a pace and that Jim wants to do that. Now, here's the thing. I will accept what he said about toward the end of the season. There was a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. and that's why I asked about the G League players because they got a chance to watch a number of those guys. Right. All right, because I was like, well, since you saw them, maybe one of them can make a roster spot. Walt Lemon Jr. is a, another, a nice third guard you have on your team. He says he's going to be in the facility um, and a, a few others. So, you know, the, it, 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 I understand when he says that they got to play with more pace and they couldn't do it because of personnel last year. You can't run – a bunch of stuff with players that's not even used to the system. So I get that. But now, fresh slate for the upcoming season. He didn't answer my three-point question, did he? Not really. Okay. 
he says that he says they want to do it. Yeah, and and he clearly knew he's aware that they're twenty seventh because he immediately nodded his head. So he knows. Uh, but you know, it, it seems like uh, it's something that they're aware of. Now implementing that might be a different story. I think Kobe White's going to go a long way to that because he can shoot from three and he can create his own shot. Do you have the keys? Out of to this place because we're apparently we're locking up here. Uh, it's you, me, Art, who's been here with us all night. Uh, <laughs> I see, I see you, Matt Yob walking over Matt there. Yob, uh, there's Casey Johnson and uh, so the cleanup crew. I'm wearing Cole Hans, but I'll play some basketball. You want it? I mean, well, no. And Will Swarovski's here too. Oh, Swarovski's here. All right, he's on your team. I think. That- <laughs> well, thanks a lot for that. Thanks for nothing. Well, I, I got Paxson. I'll take the three point shooter. We thank you for our coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Thanks so much for listening to our broadcast. Our thanks to Felix Reyes, to Eric Ostrowski, to Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. And don't forget, next year, Chris and I will be talking about the 2020 Draft. Players like Anthony Edwards from Georgia, Isaiah Stewart from Washington, LaMelo Ball. (laughs) We'll be talking about that next year. (laughs) LaMelo Ball, the number one pick, according to his dad. Okay. Our thanks to ArtB.com. How great thou art uh, over here with us, helping us out, spinning the dials uh, to our right. All right, for Chris Black, this is Jonathan Hood. The proceeding has been a presentation of the NBA Draft right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll talk to you Friday night at 7 o'clock with our wrap-up of the NBA Draft right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, Good morning from the Advocate Center.